Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to Kingdom Talks. I'm so happy to have uh, Mike Parsons on here with me today. We are going to be talking about who knows what, but uh, I got a feeling it'll it'll wrap a little bit around uh, restoration of all things, which by the way, if you haven't signed up for the conference here in Colorado Springs, uh, go to the website up above me, kingdomtalksmedia.com, and uh, you can find a place to sign up for the conference, which is March 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That's a Wednesday night through Sunday, and uh, we will be live broadcasting this. And so we're actually going to make it an interactive thing to where you, being you know watching from home or wherever you're at, you can engage with us online and ask questions and so forth. So uh, definitely encourage you to get signed up. If you can't make it here, get signed up for the live stream. So uh, I guess that's it for now. So Mike, let's go ahead and jump in. Thanks for being on here again today. So appreciate you. Really just appreciate you. Um, you know the the hearts of people are, are you know kind of getting going one direction or another and I really appreciate people like you and Chris Carter and others who just have a, a true heart of love and uh, unity and um, um, maybe we should start there I don't know if you feel like talking a, bit, a little bit about the love and unity that we need as we move forward in the body but that's something that we've been talking about here in Colorado Springs quite a bit yeah uh, yeah I mean I think obviously love is is the essence and nature of God. So you know everything starts there, starting there with knowing that we're loved, and because we're loved, we can then love others. I think if people are trying to love others, um, they miss the point. Is yeah. be loved first. You know, he we love because he first loved us. You know we don't have to try and love God. You know, he he knows if we're trying. <laughs> he wants us to relax, let him love us, and then we can love others. And then those who may well be not on the same page with us or maybe in opposition to us from their perspective, we can love them as well. Right. Because they're all God's children. You know, yeah. we do differences of opinions. We do view things differently. Um, but I do believe God wants to draw us to the fact that we can be in relationship with one another without having to have every I dotted and T crossed of beliefs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a unity of belief. It's a unity of relationship. We're all in him, all included in him. He loves all of us the same. And therefore we need to be a reflection of that as well. And yeah. have that relational desire for unity one heart one mind one purpose but actually when we're not seemingly one heart one mind one purpose we can still love one another right and we can still be in relationship with it and we do not need to actually prove that we're right as Come opposed on. to others are wrong you know and that's when the difficulty that? comes <laughs> yeah so I, we just rest in that that we don't have to prove one another wrong or or that we're right yeah you know and i think that's a that's a key is is Number one, I mean, you just nailed it on the head in, in so many different areas because we really can't love unless we've been receiving God's love. And, and, and in that receiving, I, I think a big piece of that is, is believing because, you know, so much of the time, you know, Father's always speaking love to us. And yet uh, I know that before I really was able to open up to receive it, you know, I'm, I, I would not believe it. You know, I kept uh, receiving the negative and believing that versus receiving his words and believing that and here in Colorado Springs you know Larry McKnight on uh, Joyland uh, and on Friday nights you know it's so funny because we have not talked at all about what we're going to speak on but we've only been here a couple weeks and so the first two weeks right out of the gate we both had the same topic each night you know his Friday night and our Sunday but uh, this week it was unity and just some of the stuff that he was sharing I'm like you know this is out of Ephesians but you can kind of um bring it home with just one sentence that we are unified in in faith by love and that is, love is what binds us together in the faith and it's not a specific type of faith you know that you got to believe this way it's not a uniformity but it's simply a faith in him 
and that he has us covered and that he's the one that, that is going to, uh, you know, he, he's the one at the end that's going to be our judge. And again, judging us to life, not uh, trying to condemn us. But anyway, just yeah. God is definitely moving in that direction. I, I love what he's doing and pulling us together. Yeah, I, and I think the issue of faith um, is quite an interesting one in that I think I was brought up to believe that I had to have faith to please God and therefore I had to try and have faith otherwise I wasn't going to be pleasing to God and actually I think it isn't the fact that I have to have faith in God it's that God has faith in me hmm. and God it's I live by the faith of the Son of God not by the faith in the Son of God and that's, so much of religious stuff is about me having to try and believe something because if I believe it, then God will reward my belief. And in reality, that creates a workspace mentality. I have to put my faith in something. Yeah. And rather than God believes in me and I just have to agree with him. You know, and if I'm in agreement with him, which is the true meaning of metanoia or repentance, mm -hmm. I just have to agree with how he feels about me. And if then, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, I need to think like he thinks about me. And that actually creates the ability to believe. Yeah. And I think we've almost taught people to try and believe without experience as if that's a good thing. And in reality, everyone in the Bible and everyone who met Jesus, they all experienced him. No one was asked to believe in him without the experience. So we've turned it into believe in this person you've never met and he will reward you because you're having this blind faith belief. When when we encounter God, our encounter actually causes us to believe. And that's a different way of engaging and I think if we help people to encounter God they have, won't have a problem with belief because belief will be a consequence yeah. of encountering but we've told people to try and believe so they can have the encounter yeah I know yes belief is a, is is something that is important but actually the encounter produces the belief right right than the other way around so yeah if we right. help people who don't yet know God to encounter him they'll soon know him trying to you know drum up faith is is kind of like trying to love your neighbor when you don't love yourself yeah <laughs> totally and you know trying to and it's doing it by works really yeah and i think the old covenant way of thinking was love the lord your god with all your heart all your mind all your strength and your neighbor as yourself and that is a law and if you don't fulfill the law then the consequences of not fulfilling the law are whatever that consequence is whereas if you come into the new covenant it is you know love one another as i have loved you this is a new commandment not a new law yeah right because a commandment is different than a law and embedded within a commandment is the goal which is empowering rather than the law which is obligatory and if we're obliged to do something out of duty or fear, then there's no life in that. Right. And yeah. when we just experience the love of God and we know that we're loved unconditionally, that is what causes the motivation and the desire to love others because we know we're unconditionally loved. And if we've not earned it, then neither is everyone else. And so their behaviors and maybe against us or against others, should not stop us wanting them to be blessed and yeah. loving them because God loved us in that way unconditionally. And people, I think, have mistakenly confused unconditional love as being separate from forgiveness and then have put forgiveness in another category because, well, God can love you unconditionally, but you can only be forgiven if you do this, do that, whether it be repent or confess your sin. And I don't believe that's true. I mean, I believe the unconditional nature of God's love because who he is has already caused him to forgive everyone. Because if he's yeah. not forgiven everyone, then he's a hypocrite because he's told us to forgive everybody. Right. And if he hasn't done it, then how could he expect <laughs> us to do it? So he's already forgiven everybody. Yeah. Part of the problem is most people don't know that. 
Yeah. And I think we've helped them to know it particularly. You know, and I've, I've felt that, uh, you know, one of the reasons that Yeshua came to die for us was if he hadn't, you know, come to make the sacrifice, you know, now he, there was much more in the sacrifice than this, but, but one of the things that if he had not come to sacrifice himself, that we would still be condemning ourselves, which we do anyway, sometimes, but, you know, we've been released of that, that we do not have to condemn ourselves because he has forgiven us and that, that sacrifice was given so that we we would stop judging ourselves, stop condemning ourselves because he's not. Yeah. He's not. And and so, you know, he's had a plan for this. We've talked about it on another show recently, but um, it's just like it is so hard, at least for me, to imagine that that Yahweh created all that he created and then just like, oh no, what's happened? It's got out of control. Something went wrong. <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's like you have to back up a little bit further and start thinking what is the the full plan because when we're reading scripture it says that from the beginning that father had a plan to restore all things so now i don't i i've got my own concepts of why i believe you know father's done some of this but um i don't really share them because they're a little outside of the box but at the same time uh um well i, I can share it it's just Part of what I think Father is doing is I believe that God is going to continue to grow forever. Some people think that he's, he's done growing, but to me, if he's infinite, that why would he ever stop growing? He's always creating and, and learning even as he creates, I, I believe. And that if uh, we're going to be growing through all eternity, if he's not growing, we would eventually catch up with him. So uh, <laughs> I just imagine that he's continually growing. But because we're one, part of his experience is growing through each one of us as well that his experience is expanding as we experience. Um, so therefore, you know, what's happening here on earth, this whole scenario is an expanse and an expansion of, you know, his experience in growing and that we get to grow in that as well. Eventually we will understand better what, uh, what he's doing and how he's doing it. Sure, yeah, I mean, in a sense, before Jesus actually came here as a physical being, he had never been a physical being like that. Yep, he so grew. There was, that was an experience that he had, which was different from his experiences before. Now, he may have pre-known all that, but mm -hmm. knowing is different from experiencing. Knowing yeah. something and experiencing something are two different things. And I do believe, yeah, that he has created us so he can outwork or know what it is to live this way in Mike us. Parsons yeah, and Joe Hodges and everybody else yeah because he, he's not that yeah. you know what I mean and you know being a spirit he hasn't got a body which is why he's chosen to call us his body yeah. in that way yeah you know? I like that I like that yeah you know so but I think you know agreeing with him for me is the key and when you know going back to sort of forgiveness to experience forgiveness we again have been told that we need to confess our sin and therefore almost admit that we're wrong and see how bad we are in our sin then he'll forgive us and again it's conditional well the reality is if you if you realize that when it says I think it's 1 John 1 9 if you confess your sin he is faithful mm -hmm. to forgive your sin and cleanse you from unrighteousness right yeah so we confess but we've put a Catholic or English understanding of confession which is well I'm confessing this as wrong rather than no I'm confessing but he's already forgiven me so I'm confessing my agreement with his forgiveness so I can live in the good of that confession that I am forgiven which is a totally different way of looking at it. And yeah. my being unrighteous is not that I am a terrible person, but actually I am living in the wrong thinking, although I'm not forgiven. Therefore, I'm living in the state, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if I think I'm unrighteous because I've done something wrong, well, I'm, un I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, not because I've done something right or wrong. It's who he made me to be. Yeah. So when I agree with who he made me to be, and I agree and, and agree with his forgiveness of me, well, I'm not going to live in that I'm unrighteous because I know that I'm righteous only because of what he's done anyway. Yeah. I can neither make myself unrighteous or make myself righteous. He made me righteous. 
because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm in Christ. So we've turned a lot of the things which are actually something I just have to come into agreement with and realize the reality of rather than, well, I need to do this, then God will do this. And if I do this, he will do that. That is all works-based mentality. And we need to live in a grace-based mentality yes. that live in the freedom of what he's already done rather than trying to get him to do something for us. Amen. You know, he already forgave everyone on the cross. You know, right. And that, that statement, Father, forgive them, wasn't just directed to those people who were standing in front of him. That was directed to the whole of mankind. And no one had asked for forgiveness when he said, Father, forgive right. them. You know, yeah. So you don't have to ask for forgiveness. It's realizing that you've been forgiven. And that empowers you not to go down the same route again and again and again. When you're focused on behavior and, well, I must not do that again, I must do it again then you're already thinking about the mm -hmm. negativity rather mm -hmm. than, hey, I, I'm righteous. I don't have to do that or anything yeah. else. I just need to be who I am. Yeah. And I get who he says I am rather than what I am doing to create that identity, either positively or negatively. And, that, and that's such a massive key for us to just do what we've been called to do, whatever that is, and to be content in doing whatever that is. Part of what, part of what I, I share sometimes is, uh, you know, the, the term uh, um, uh, uh, positional prejudice. And, it, it, you know, it's just one of the prejudices that human beings have that, you know, is part of our pride that we think the CEO is better than the janitor and the, the pastor is better than the lay people and all that. Because that creates in our mindset as we're trying to operate in the body of Christ, um, you know, this, this thing where if someone has a position that might be the little toe, that we don't honor that as much as we do someone who's, you know, the, the hands or, or something. So that if we could let go of that pride and that ego to where we think one piece is better than another, but understanding that each piece has a different responsibility, and simply operate in that then more people would be able to step into their place and be comfortable with who they are and and, and be the, the 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 part that god has called them to be and not be trying to snuff out other people who are doing something that has this you know greater position uh or either try to you know i'm the little toe well i don't want to be the little toe i want to be the the thumb and you know when we're fighting to try to be something that we're not even meant to be you're just going to make yourself miserable as well as the people around you that you're fighting versus just being able to rest rest in who you are and love on everybody around you and lift them up because they're doing their part just edify them for what they're doing Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, identity is so important and our identity cannot come from what we do. Our identity comes from who he created us to be. And we can yeah. only find that in that relationship with him. Yeah. You know, he is the mirror. When we look into his face, we see reflected back who he made us to be. Mm -hmm. And that means face to face relationship yeah. is absolutely key to identity and identity of being then leads to a flow of doing from the being not for the being yes you know, and that's the thing we cannot try and do something to create an identity we do things from the identity of who he says we are and then everything flows in a in a very real way because we can rest in being we don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else we don't have to put anyone down or we don't have to aspire to be somebody else we can actually just be content in who he created us to be without reference to what other people are doing or anything else because we don't need to compare ourselves or be insecure right. that we're yeah. this or they're that because that's their destiny and we just need to be content with our destiny because we're all sons of god right irrespective of what we're doing you know and we're I, not better sons of god or lesser right. sons of god right that's the maturity of the sons of god but we're all sons of god you know, I think one of the biggest shifts for me that came was when I, uh, and, and I can't say that I intentionally knew where I was going when this began to happen, but as I was encountering uh, Father and actually began to see my perfected self uh, and was be able to just start resting in, the, in my perfected self, that as I began to just receive that who I was, you know, in Christ, that, uh, that brought this alignment with the truth. And in that alignment with the truth, all of a sudden I find the access 
which this is something Berlin Newby came up with, but the language I think really works well. But this is what I was doing before she ever came up with it. But the access then it opens up the law of attraction or you know, the law of, of sowing and reaping where just because I was aligned with the truth, everything that I needed in order to do what I needed to do began to flow to me. I wasn't, and if I tried to fight and strive a little bit to get it, because that's what my tendency as a type A person, if I see what God's doing, I want to just go get it done. <laughs> but I've had to just really stop myself over and over and over to learn to just rest in what he's doing. And, you know, it's so much less stressful and gets done so much better when I learn to just rest. And because once I've aligned myself, that access comes and then the impact comes for which you were designed to impact the earth with. And there's no measurement of that. It's not like, well, I'm not doing as much as that person or this person, but it's the measurement of who he created you to be and what he created you to do. And one of the analogies I used on Sunday was, uh, you know, if the, if the foot, if the darkness comes along and starts telling the foot that, man, you're a lousy foot, you just don't do foot well, you know, <laughs> you got to do something different. Well, then the foot starts to die. And what's that do to the body? Throws the whole body off balance because one part of the body was convinced by the darkness, by the enemy, that that it wasn't good. It began to believe the lies. And so we need to be content with who we have been created to be and to just do that well. And when we do that well, God will have his ultimate impact in, in the region and in the body. So, you know, that's, that's been an awesome just alignment with the truth that has helped me. And I think that was one of the biggest shifts for me when I started entering into that rest. Sure, yeah. And when, when we do know who we are, the revelation of that is made known to creation. So, you know, Romans 8, where it talks about creation is longing, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. When we're at rest in that identity, then creation begins to recognize us and respond to us. And there's this connection that we have, which is restored. And then creation can be set free from its bondage to corruption or decay into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So, which is actually us knowing who we are. So if we don't know who we are, creation remains in bondage. If we begin to so good. Be and unveiled in who we are, creation begins to respond to us in a positive way. And we begin to be the light that is revealed so that creation can be restored. And when light is revealed, then there is no darkness. Yeah. You know, darkness yeah. is not something, it's an absence of something. And as we begin to shine love's light in our identity, then creation begins to discover our revealing so and good. can be set free. And I think the restoration of all things, you know, is not limited to people, but right. God's desire is for the whole of creation. And I like that it says that it, you know, creation is waiting for the revelation or the revealing of the sons of God or the, the maturing sons. And, and um, you know, I just, I want to believe that I'm one of them and, and, the, and I really do believe that I am one of them. To what extent, you know, I'd like to believe I'm, I'm on, you know, level eight or nine to a 10, but I probably am on a level, you know, 0. 0.5. <laughs> Because, and I only say that, I'm not degrading myself, but I only say that just because, you know, there's so much that Yeshua did that he said we would be walking in that and more. And, you know, I know that I'm not there yet, and I haven't really met anybody else that is walking in it yet. But I do believe that as we walk in love, that love is the key, and love is the key that will begin to unlock so many other pieces of what we need in order to step in further and receive more power and more authority to be the mature sons that we were meant to be. Yeah, and when we're seated in heavenly places and we have that position, which has been given because of our identity, then our motive in outworking that position is love. Yeah. That's God's motive always, continually, because that's who he is. When we're connected to him, when we know his heart, that motivates us to outwork love from being seated in that place of authority. You know, I do believe that we do have responsibility. We do have roles to play yeah. in heaven so that God's kingdom, his will in heaven can be manifested on earth through us. But we need to be seated there. 
in rest. To be seated is to be at rest, to be enthroned in the position that our identity okay. opens up, not the position okay. we're trying to create or the position we think we deserve, but the position our identity unveils so we can be seated in it. And that does release authority. And there is legislation or government, you know, no end to the increase of his government and peace. So I do believe there's continual increase. Yep. But we are responsible for, but out of desire, not duty or obligation. We don't need to fear that responsibility. We don't need to fear of getting it wrong. Right. Because right. we just have to be heart to heart. And then creatively, we can outwork his heart. Because it isn't a set of instructions that we have to follow. It's a heart that we can reveal and so cooperate with and engage with. And I think Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. But the Father didn't give him, a, here's the list of instructions today. The Father and his heart <laughs> were one, connected. Yeah. And if we're connected to the heart of the Father, then we will begin to realize that every day there's opportunities, not obligations, but opportunities. Right. And there's such a difference when you look at things as opportunity to express my sonship in creativity to unveil the Father's heart without one way to do it. There are millions of ways I can choose to do it as a son because I'm creative in his image and I can choose the way I outwork his heart, but his heart is what my motivation is. And that's love. Amen. So it's all going to be an expression of love, but in a very creative way. You know, we like formulas. <laughs> if you do it this way, it works. Right. Well, right. there's, there's a, not much creativity in a formula. It's like, I want to see that there are multiple different ways of choosing to outwork the Father. So, and Jesus modeled that in that he healed people in many diverse ways. He didn't show us that there's a formula for doing it other than connected to the Father's heart. That's the only thing, that's the principle that then frees us to be us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can do things and get the result that God really desires in a hundred billion different ways. And God is not bothered in the slightest which one I choose. Yeah. As long as it's aligned with his heart and love, that's all really he's looking for. We tend to always look for, I need which way is the right way. I don't want to get it wrong. And we get so tense that we're not at rest and then right. nothing hey there thank you for joining kingdom talks we are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called ultimate impact gil and adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. And, and so many people are trying so hard to, you know, get a gift that they see somebody else with and, and they want to operate in that gift. And maybe that's what God has put in their heart and maybe they're meant to. But, but the tendency is to chase after that person and try to get their formula to figure out how to do what they do versus just going straight to the Father and saying, here I am. I, I am so excited just to receive whatever it is you have for me that I'm you know, supposed to walk in. And that's where we find our fulfillment. It's not in, you know, duplicating what somebody else is doing. Yeah. So, Mike, yeah, real quick, um, we haven't done this for a while. So uh, I, I know that you've got a lot of absolutely wonderful, powerful teachings online. And maybe you can t take a couple minutes just to share some of you, about some of your teachings and your, your I'm trying to point the right way, not the mirror. So uh, <laughs> straight above you is your um, uh, URL to, to go check out some of your teachings, your website and so forth. But maybe you can share a little bit about what people would find there. Sure. I mean, we, have, we have lots of material there, which is things that are, are things you can just download or look at. But most of what you'll find there will lead you to the Engaging God program, which is really a, a modular program that can be done at your own pace, helping to equip the Joshua generation in sonship um, with relationship and responsibility. And there's 12 modules at the moment there, um, which I've done over the last five years, 
um, which is hundreds of teachings, video, audio, PDFs of the slides and things. But people can take it at their own pace um, and learn to engage for themselves. And I think this is the key for me. Yeah. I'm only sharing the testimony of my experiences. I don't want people to try and copy me. Yeah. I want people to have their own personal, intimate relationship mm -hmm. with God, which comes from engaging God themselves. So the whole name of the program, Engaging God, is a clue to what it's about. So it's people who can engage God in intimacy of relationship. In that relationship, begin to identify who they are as sons of God and then find their place to administrate that as a son to administrate heaven on the earth. So there's a lot of relational engagements. Each There are lots of engagements with each, each thing, an activation to help people do it so that people can practice training their senses to discern and therefore to outwork that by, by learning. This isn't a mystical thing that's just going to happen. God can give us encounters to inspire us, but we need to walk this way. It needs to be our lifestyle. Yeah. We need to learn how to do it. Yeah. Learn how to engage God and relate to him and then begin to learn how to engage heaven and engage eternity and engage God within the garden of our heart and engage God in our spirit. For me, that's just a, a, a relational way of outworking who I am. And the whole program is, is designed to help people take it at their own pace and learn these things. You know, I've just shared my experiences and my journey in a way to help people have their own experiences and journey and then share that with other people because that's what discipleship is. I'm sharing with others so others can share with others so we can help the sons of God arise in their places in relationship. So that's, you'll find the links to that so good. there. So good, so awesome. I know so many people who are blessed by your materials, so definitely encourage people to check that out. So with the restoration of all things, um, you know, you're going to be coming here in March to uh, join Nancy Cohen and Lindy Strong and uh, Larry McKnight. Have you met Larry McKnight here at Joyland? No. Okay. No, no, Larry. Really have appreciated his uh, gift for teaching. And, uh, and then Adina and I, we're going to be sharing as well, just because one of the things that we've found is, you know, this has been such a life-changing experience for us to move into uh, and, and accept you know the the restoration of all things because we weren't believers and as we you know this was one of those things that resonated in our spirits first and especially for me you know having been through seminary and everything it's like man this does not line up with my theology <laughs> that I'd been taught <laughs> so so it took nine months for me to deconstruct from all that and put on another pair of glasses and that's probably one of the biggest things that as as individuals we all need to learn to hold things loosely especially the things that we've been taught so that we can put on another pair of glasses another paradigm to begin to see scripture from a different perspective because we just get locked into a, one way of seeing scripture and that's all we are able to see but you know one of the things that father really got on me about when i was going through this process is you know why would what's in me he was asking me what's in me that makes me want to continue to con, um, uh, interpret scripture according to this hellfire that lasts for eternity versus in looking at uh, seeing how scripture would line up with the truth that God is love. And, you know, so that was a paradigm shift for me. I'd, I'd always been taught about this eternal hell and fire. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I had, and this is the other thing, it had become part of my identity, my belief that someone else gave to me this this teaching had become part of my identity and so letting go of it was not an easy thing so how would you maybe that might be a good place to to share some things how would you encourage people in that area where that has become their identity that belief system and to pull it out from underneath of them is just like you know yeah. To totally undermining you know who they are and disillusioning and I, I've been through that several times now <laughs> I mean, the deconstruction process of renewing our minds is an indication that what we believe isn't true. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there would be no point renewing our minds if we already had them <clears throat> renewed. So Good point. Yeah, yeah. We've got to start from the point where most of our thinking isn't right. Because we've been brought up to evaluate thinking from an earthly perspective. And if you've had any Christian involvement, then whatever stream you're involved with, 
has taught you something about what they believe and indoctrinated mm -hmm. you with their beliefs. Yep. I mean, that's yep. the reality. Yep. All of us are indoctrinated. Everyone's been influenced by something and somebody. Right. It's starting <clears throat> from the point of, and this is what God said to me. He basically said to me, how much of what you know about me, the Bible, church, and everything else has come directly from me by personal revelation and how much came through somebody else, whether it be for a sermon or a teaching or whatever else. And so I, had, I sort of took a deep gulp of breath and it was like, <laughs> oh my word, most of it probably. So then he took me through the process of showing me and teaching me by experience the things that he wanted me to know and the things then that i presumed and assumed i knew i realized that most of them were my own thinking or other people's thinking that i'd agreed with so i had encounter after encounter after encounter that created cognitive dissonance yeah so my experience which i've just had contradicts what i thought was true so am I going to hold on to what I think was true or am I going to allow the experience actually change what I think? Now, so many people will say, well, ooh, that's so dangerous that you're going on experience. Well, they would say that the Bible is what you use to determine whether experiences are good or not. And reality, everyone in the Bible, their experiences were all subjective. Mm -hmm. They were their experiences. And yet we right. think they're objective because they're written in a book. Right. So you go through a process and you realize that actually you cannot use the Bible as your plumb line for this journey because you're already confirmationary biased towards what you know it already believes. What you believe, you know that what you believe is true. Now, what I discovered was 99% of what I believed was true wasn't. And, you know, and I yeah. was brought up in an evangelical Methodist church, a Bible believing Methodist church, but they had their own version of what they believed. I then joined the Brethren Church, and that took me in even deeper hot water because that led me into a whole load of more false beliefs, which God had to challenge over the years. So, you know, going through this process, you, you have to have encounters with God. You cannot have your thinking renewed by changing your thinking with your thinking because that's what created the problem in the first place. Yeah. You have to have an encounter that reveals who God is, which will challenge the thinking that you had about him and everything else. And that was a, a difficult process because we, you don't know what you don't know. You yeah. just know it. You yeah. know, you know this and you think this is true, but you don't realize that it isn't until something challenges that. And God didn't use the Bible to challenge it. God used encounters with him to challenge what I thought I believed, A, about the Bible and about other things but mostly came from a particular way of viewing the Bible. And whatever stream we brought up with, whatever original church stream will have had a significant influence on our life. My yeah. biggest influence was evangelicalism. Now I had consciously looked at the issues with evangelicalism and decided to abandon those issues many years ago because there were things in them, I'm not saying all of it's wrong, but there were aspects of it that I realized I didn't really like, so I abandoned that. But then I didn't realize that it framed my whole thinking. You know, God showed yeah. me that I had nine <clears throat> pillars that were framing my thinking, and those pillars of belief, six of them were religious, because I, I've been around Christian things since I was two years old. So, <laughs> you know, I've absorbed a lot over yeah. the years, and he had to show me the limitations of my thinking that were constructed from these beliefs. And he asked, he said, do you want me to deconstruct it? And he did, and he challenged each of those pillars. And it was like my mind was quaking with, and I was all over the place, because I was like, well, I believe this was true. I mean, now God has told me it isn't true and shown me it isn't true. I've got to let this go. Well, the implications are, all these other systems of belief are all interconnected and when one goes they all start to disintegrate yeah <laughs> no, and i described it a little bit like a domino rally you know you knock one piece over and then they all just start to collapse yeah and for me i think penal substitution atonement was the first domino that god challenged <laughs> but i believe that 
Jesus was a substitute. I don't believe it was penal. But God punished him instead of punishing us. So as soon as that got deconstructed and I realized that actually the Bible doesn't say that, then everything started to, to fall into place or to fall out of place in reality. <laughs> yeah. and, and my experiences began to really unveil what God is really like in terms of love. And love became the central theme of my engagements with God, showing me how God loves creation, how love God's, God loves everyone he's created, everything he's created. Mm -hmm. All things were created by Jesus, for Jesus. He holds all things together. Yep. <laughs> because it says that God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself through the blood of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, and so it was like, oh, what is all things? You know, you know, and my thinking about all things was very limited because mm -hmm. of those evangelical beliefs. Yeah. But over the years, last few years, God has expanded and expanded and expanded what all things really means to me by showing me how he loves all things, opened up the experience to engage many different things that I'd never even thought possible to engage to show me that there is no limit to God's love it is limitless it is you cannot escape it no one can escape it no matter where they go you know I mean Paul, David said you know well I, I I go here and you're there I go down into Sheol you're there I cannot escape you mm -hmm. because you're everywhere effectively mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not just everywhere that you're sort of <clears throat> in everything, but actually you want you're involved in everything yeah. in a loving way. And of course, God wants to to unveil that and reveal it. But it's not an easy process. And, right. you know, and I was dogmatic in my beliefs. I held my beliefs strongly. Um, but I held my relationship with God and love even more strongly. So <laughs> when he began to de deconstruct me, I had to let go of my leaning to my own understanding. Yeah. And I had an encounter that really uh, God, I think, gave me to highlight what I was doing. So I was walking with him one day and he said, oh, I want to come and I want to show you something. So he, he, we went into the garden of my heart and he showed me this area in there, which were very familiar to me. And in this tree, there was hanging a big tapestry. And it was beautifully woven. I mean, it was intensely colored. It was almost like a, a 3D 8K tapestry of my encounters with him over the, la over the previous five years. And I was just looking at it thinking, wow, I remember that. Wow, that was so amazing. And I got so caught up with looking at it that I even forgot that the father was with me. And then I saw in the middle of the tapestry a little thread and I thought, wow, I wonder if I can follow that thread and go deeper and deeper into these experiences. So I caught hold of the thread. Now, when I was a kid, my mum used to say, don't pull the thread. Right. <laughs> you see the thread, don't pull it. But I, I always had to pull it. You know, so I, so yeah. I had to, just had to. Yeah. And so I, I grabbed hold of this thread and just pulled it and thinking I was gonna go into it and follow it and it just unraveled. So the whole tapestry unraveled wow. and was a pile of yarn on the floor. And behind it was the father with a big grin on his face. Uh, so and you know, cool. he said, so said cool. what is an image of me? Because this was an image of my encounters with him. And immediately I got it. It's an idol. Mm. And so even my encounters wow. in heaven and everywhere else could become an idol to me. And he said to me, when you have a relationship with me, you do not have to lean to your own understanding of me and create another belief system that I'm gonna deconstruct. So I don't want to have beliefs about God when I can have a relationship with God on a daily basis. Now that really set the scene for the process of deconstruction. There so is. I cooperated with it and I didn't resist <laughs> even though it was hard and some of the things were, oh, I don't really want to go there. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go down that route, but I just had no choice in the end because God just showed me and showed me and showed me things, which in the end were irrefutable. 
but actually did align up with the Bible, just not the way that I right. have been taught the Bible said. It's not that mm -hmm. this is unbiblical. Some right. things are always found in the Bible because you're never going to find everything in the Bible because it's right. a book. <clears throat> but it's in it's consistent with the Bible if you allow the Holy Spirit of truth and Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life to unveil in relationship what is really true and then don't hold to well where's that in the bible i've got to prove that by the bible let the living word of god and the spirit of truth bring you revelation of what is true then you won't have to try and interpret everything by your own understanding again yeah so i don't want an understanding i want a relationship and i have yeah. one Therefore, I don't need to lean to my understanding of that relationship. It is a relationship. Yeah, I just have it. That is that is I mean, that is so, so good. And I just, uh, you, you know, my experience was at like like yours a little bit I and mean, just a little bit. And that once I started realizing that nearly everything that I believed was needed to be deconstructed it was like i kept getting the rug yanked out from underneath my feet again part of my identity being in what i thought i believed and knew and also just the idea that if i knew it then now i'm safe i know this part therefore i know how to deal with it but just finding that in a relationship with yahweh you have to develop faith and trust that he's got your best in mind that he loves you and that you can let go of all these things that you think are going to help you because if you hold on to them you'll either get stuck and you'll miss the next thing he has for you or you'll you'll be holding on to something and find out that you know later it's no longer valid for where you're at and anyway it's just so important for us like like you just expressed that we live in the relationship not in our knowledge of him or of anything else that we think we know but live in the moment in the relationship Absolutely. and it's not it's not necessarily easy when you're first starting out but once you get into it and you realize wow he is trustworthy then it becomes fun and it's actually a lot of fun to walk that path but oh, i, I want to come back just real quickly because i shared just before we went online here and i I'm, i people know me for being vulnerable and uh you know here, here's a point that I haven't have not arrived yet, which is obvious. But uh, at the same time, you know, when we moved here to Colorado Springs, I mean, things have been great. Things have been awesome. But I have been super, super busy trying to, you know, reconstruct our studio and and all these various things. And and I wasn't spending time with Yahweh as I was and as I had been. And, you know, what happened was because, you know, when you don't have that relationship going and intact, um, you know, we, our tendency, and I'll, I'll say this is for me anyway, my tendency, partly because of my background, is that <clears throat> when I'm not engaged with somebody, you know, the negative thoughts start coming in. It's like, do they really like me anymore? Do they, you know, this, 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 this. And once, once I agreed with just that first thought, I opened up the door and there were a whole bunch more right behind it that wanted to start flooding in. But what was the key in getting back in my seat and back in my you know throne of rest, my seat of rest and on my throne, the key was re-engaging with Father and just gazing upon Him, gazing upon my perfected self, resting in who I am, who He created me to be. And I didn't, I mean, literally just a day or two of doing that and it was kind of like right back on track. So um, just encouraging everybody, it's in, the, like Mike said, it's in the relationship. It really is in the relationship. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I, I prioritize that relationship above everything else because I know without that relationship, I'm going to walk according to the wrong path. I'm going to walk according to the, the path of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because yep. God walked with Adam until he chose to walk independently. Now, it's not that I'm afraid and it's not like, oh, no, I missed my time with god yeah. today because i'm conscious of his presence all the time and right, right. my spirit is engaging him in the realms of heaven all the time but i want to actively engage him in my soul right. i love to journal our conversations i love to be in his presence but actually you know i can i don't have to always get up i can do that in the bed i mean i can i'm relaxed yeah. about it you know yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna feel condemned if i miss this or miss that but but i want to be consistent in it is a priority for me to put that above other things. 
yeah in for the majority of my time i really desire to have that relationship with him and that's the relationship where i know his heart and then that is what inspires me how to live every day mm -hmm. of what i need to be out working or because yeah. I know his heart and then you live life and it's like you recognize where he's at work you recognize his heart his fingerprints mm -hmm. on things it's so much easier to discern well do I need to be involved with that no this oh yeah that totally resonates with my heart and so yeah relationship is a key but not out of obligation or duty or fear but out of desire yeah and sometimes we are busy I mean, yeah. when you move house, when you move things, it's like there are times when you're really busy doing this and God knows that. Yeah. And I think it doesn't mean that you you have to, oh, I've got to have my five hours with God today. But sometimes just 10 minutes of quality time mm -hmm. just to get into that place of rest will set everything else up. It doesn't have to be always a great long period, but it's centering ourselves around that relationship. Yeah. You know, in 10 minutes, I can come to a place of rest Yeah, you know, easily because I open my first love gate. I engage Father, Son and Spirit, mm -hmm. focus on love and joy and peace. And I'm there. Yeah. Living in that atmosphere that comes just with consciously choosing mm -hmm. to engage, even if it's a short period of time. But quality time is better than quantity time. Yeah. And in 10 minutes, you can do more than I would do spending hours praying. In 10 minutes of being in his presence actually is where fullness of joy, where love so and peace reside. Yeah. And that's what brings rest. And I, I will say that one of the, the beautiful things that uh, took place because um, of, of the changes you know we've gone through, my wife and I have gone through in the last four or five years, was um, that having gone through this, even though, you know, I'm battling these negative thoughts because I just wasn't spending time in his presence. Uh, never once, you know, cause I had battled with depression, you know, for, for years and, and, um, uh, but, but that never came into to being, you know, that was never a thought. And just that, uh, um, I never began to condemn myself that, and in the past, man, oh, that would have been one of the first things coming up, but I never began to condemn myself. It was just like I'm I'm off my seat of rest. I need to get back on, and I need to get back to the Father. I just need to get in His presence and just get there. And like I said, it wasn't didn't take long, and it's not an effort. It's not a struggle. It's just take the time and set it aside, prioritize it. Yeah. I think it's important that people don't get condemned by comparing other people's lives. Oh, that person spends five hours every day, or they they spend all night with God, whatever. It's like, we need to be us and in yeah. the season that we're in. And if you got, you know, your whole homeschooling, three kids, you know, you're not gonna have the time that someone who's retired can just invest right. in just that time. But you can bring up your kids, you can homeschool your kids, constantly being sensitive to the presence of God who's yeah. with you in it. You don't have to get condemned because you didn't spend this amount of time or that amount of time. But you just, because you're doing that, as if you're doing it for God anyway. That's mm -hmm. part of the season of life you're in. Enjoy the season you're in. Don't try and strive for another season because you'll Thanks. not enjoy the present right. season you're in. Enjoy life, you know? Yeah. When, when I sort of discovered rest in love, joy, and peace, you know, God gave me this little phrase. It was like, live loved, love living, and live loving. So when I live loved, I know that I'm loved unconditionally without having to do anything, then life is full of joyous opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I love living this life. Yeah. And then I can live this life in a loving way towards others by just reciprocating what I've received in being loved unconditionally. That's why then I don't need to criticize others or put something on others or demand anything of others. I just need to love them, forgive them, bless them, because I'm living from the state of being loved. And if I'm unconditionally loved, how can I be anything else towards anybody else? It's not consistent. Yeah. And if I am, then I don't really know that I'm unconditionally loved. So I, I love living this way yeah. from a place of rest. Now that rest is not inactivity. 
if anyone looks at my diary, we'll see it's not. Right. But everything flows from that place because I center myself in rest. And, you know, I'm not on the seat of rest. I'm in him who's on the seat of rest because I give my seat of rest to him. I just ask the father every day, you know, take the seat of rest in government and you sit there and I'm going to be in you and you're going to disciple me, father me in sonship. Because I don't want to be separated from him. So good. I'm in him. And if he's on my throne, I'm on it, in him. Mm. But he's fathering me into that sonship relationship. That is, you know, the, the oneness, I believe, is going to be a... a um, it's going to kind of come to the forefront in this this year and maybe this decade, but just the oneness uh, of us all. And um, uh, I, I shared an experience on, on Sunday that I had some time ago, maybe a m month ago, but um, just that, you know, in the in the area of principalities and powers, I'm seated, seated on my you know on my mountain. I'm on my throne, and I've got this little section with a, a with a table that Yeshua and I would oftentimes sit down and have communion at. And uh, and I hadn't been there in a long time, so Yeshua takes me to that table, but Father and Holy Spirit show up too, and I've never seen them take communion, and they were there to take communion, and it was all about the oneness. But then as we're about to engage, all of a sudden out from the side pops my perfected self. My perfected self comes and just sits right on top of me so that I am now one with him. And, he, you know, I am in him. And there's one piece of bread on the table. All of us reach for it at the same time. And as we pick it up, it becomes four different pieces, but it's the same piece. We're all eating the same piece. And then there's appears one cup on the table and we all reach we grab the one cup and as we bring it to our lips it becomes four but it's the one and it just is an in a, a big indicator for me that as we're moving into this next age that there's a new way that we'll celebrate you know passover pentecost and and uh, uh, tabernacles because i see in each age there's you know it's it's celebrated differently and then looking at what it might look like in the age to come that it's going to be a very strong significant indicator of our oneness you know that communion would be that thing that is indicating our oneness and so just oneness i believe is going to be a big piece of uh everything we're doing as we move forward and and i love that picture you were just sharing that you don't want to be apart from christ that you're seated with him in him and uh i i like that that's very good yeah and to me rest is the key to oneness because if i'm not resting in who i am how can i be one with him and who he created. So, I mean, I remember I, at the beginning of the year, people put all these sort of prophecies on the year, but as we're moving to the decade of the 20s, it's like Bob Jones prophesied that this would be the decade of rest. Hmm. And he, he prophesied sort of each decade up until 2050 something or something. Hmm. And I, and I, God had been speaking to me about rest and rest, rest, rest for the last two or three years. So when I read that, I thought, yeah, I can actually really see that when we're at rest in our identity in him, this whole issue of oneness, that we're one with him, that we're one with each other, that we're one body, that we don't need to have any competition is going to begin to manifest yeah. in those who are at rest. And I think if you're not at rest, you can't be one. Right. You know, and, and that I think is God is working to bring people to that revelation of being loved and therefore resting in his love. And then life takes on a whole different perspective when you're resting in his love. Amen. Well, we need to go ahead and wrap this section up. You got a few more minutes afterwards here? Sure. Okay. So I just want to thank everyone who is uh, um, partnering with us. And if you are not partnering with us, and if you'd like to, you can go to thekingdomtalksmedia.com and uh, there's a, a button there for partnering. Just encourage you to do that. We cannot do this without you. We appreciate each and every one of you who are partnering with us to help uh, continue getting these messages out, like with Mike Parsons here, and and, and just uh, sharing what God is doing in this next stage with um, this this movement that we believe uh, some are calling the mystical movement, but whatever you want to call it, God's doing something, and it's He that it is He that is doing it. This is not. Um, 
for me, this is not a revival thing. It's not going to be an up and down thing. God is just taking us to a whole new level. So we're wanting to get that word out and as many people uh, help them transition over to this as possible. Those who are hungry and looking for it, we want to give them a space to find it and to uh, walk in it with us. So thank you to each and every one of you. Bless you, Mike. Thank you so, so much for being on here. Uh, blessings to you, and um, I'm sure we'll have you on again before March, but again, remember the March dates are March 18 through 22, and you can go to Kingdom Talks Media to uh, get signed up. All right, God bless. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at kingdomtalksmedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.